from baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Today, you're going to be getting Jessica Kleinschmidt's interviews. Jessica, of course, does a great job helping us here with A's cast. She's going to have the big left-hander, Jared Koenig, catcher Bo Taylor, and Grant McCauley from 92-9, the game in Atlanta. But we'll start with Jared Koenig, the kid from Santa Cruz. Jessica Kleinschmidt here as Ace Total Access presented by Chevron continue, continues. Ace starter Jared Koenig joins me today. We're out here in hot Reno. How are you feeling? I mean, feeling good for the most part. Uh, a little upset about how yesterday went down, but it is what it is. And tell me a little bit about that. You know, the, the first inning was really rough on you. They had to go to the bullpen a little bit earlier than anticipated. What was working for you and what wasn't? Uh, I mean, overall, I think my command was was decent it wasn't as good as it could be my I think my changeup was a good pitch though um just didn't quite get the outs I needed and a couple balls just hit that were found holes or in away from the shift um on top of that I think I made some good pitches and and battled it just with pitch count or pitch limit for uh for an inning that kind of took me out of the game so that was that was just a bummer I tried to fight it but I can't do much about that and tell me about that changeup. Is that one of the pitches you depend on? I know you have some really solid specialty stuff that you work on. Yeah, changeup's uh, probably my fourth best pitch. Uh, I think we, we, I didn't get any curveballs put down, and I didn't really shake to it. Um, in, in reality, that's that's the pitch I need to be throwing more often in that situation, especially. Um, so the fact that I didn't throw one in 36 pitches is kind of a problem. But uh, building off that, hoping hoping I can get get a start Sunday instead of wait until Tuesday. That way I can kind of get back out there. But who knows? I haven't been told if I can yet or not. So it was interesting. Last time I saw you, we were in Oakland, but you were coming out of the bullpen. It was really interesting to see you go through that dynamic. What's that transition like? Is there a different pregame routine that you have to go through in those situations? Yeah. I mean, with with coming out of the bullpen, I kind of just treat it as like any other day. Uh, I go out, play catch with everyone else, do the same stuff. Um, versus when I'm starting, I don't go out and play catch. I'll just play catch right before the game uh, or before I'm going to warm up. And then everything else is kind of just more of an adrenaline kick with that. So you kind of just, when you get your name called, you're like, all right, let's go, kind of like that. And you start stretching a little earlier and understanding that you still got to be loose before before you get the call. Whereas starting you're on your whole routine, you can kind of dictate everything. But, I mean, I, I like it both. It doesn't really bother me either way. It's just in the middle of the season, transitioning a couple of times back and forth is is tough. But it's just what I'm here to do. And you talk, you said that you don't mind either one. But is there one that maybe is, I don't want to say better or easier, because I feel like just as an athlete, sometimes not thinking too much and being able to just go out there and do it helps. Is there a, a time where the mentality coming out of the bullpen might be easier than the start? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's easier. I mean, I haven't done it long enough to really to dictate any of that. I think they're equally as challenging in their own ways. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable doing both because I've done it for so long, but I, I mean, starting, I enjoy, I enjoy starting. Like I enjoy that challenge of that. Um, 
and I haven't really experienced too much out of the bullpen to where I can dictate too much. Sure. You had a really unique story and you know there was one point you were playing at like the lowest rookie level possible and now you know I've been able to cover you on the actual big league field. Tell me a little bit about that journey and how it's kind of shaped you just as a person. Yeah, I mean, going from where I was in 17 with Indie Ball, uh, being in four different teams that year, uh, facing some good talent later on in the year um, after a couple of releases and then getting released again from that team up there. Uh, it was, I mean, it's, it was that was a big learning experience. I finally kind of learned to let go and kind of just like enjoy it a little more versus trying to put so much pressure on myself. And so with that, my 18 and 19 seasons were much better. Um, I was also, thanks to my coach in 18, I was able to get with a trainer, uh, Matt Rosignol, and Rosie's training at Scotts Valley. And so he's always been a big help to me uh, over the past four years now. Um, so that, that, that's been a big factor. I think the biggest thing was me fixing my mentality and going out there and kind of just being a little more free and less... less uh, detail-oriented and letting things control that I can't control. So I, I think once everything was worked out that way, then it's everything's moved in the right direction, and I've paced myself well through where I'm at now. It would have been easy for you to just say, like, screw it and quit, right? Why didn't you? Uh, I, I think I knew I was good enough and I always had the dream to, and maybe a little bit of stubbornness, maybe a little persistence, uh, definitely some help from my family. Um, I wouldn't have been able to have done it without them, that's for sure. Um, so with that, yeah, I, I, I think I was just stubborn and willing to kind of give it all. I can always find a job later on and I know I'm, I'm good and I can do whatever I want if I decide to. So I, I figured I might as well keep this going for another year and if it happens and then it, it kind of kept pushing, it kept moving forward. So I was like, all right, I kind of got to keep chasing this. I can't just give it up. And so I did that. That's amazing. And, you know, being able to go back and forth between this level and then, you know, the bigs, you've surrounded yourself with a lot of cool guys, I mean, maybe guys that nobody's really heard of. Is there a guy in that Aviators Clubhouse right now that you think deserves a little bit more attention than he's getting? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's quite a few guys that always deserve attention. I mean, you get those guys that are kind of in between. and I, I think, like, Garrett Acton and... Uh, I mean, I think with him, he's got a lot of potential, and he may maybe doesn't quite get the name out, even though, yeah, he might be out there a little more just because he, he throws hard, he throws well, um, and he started out so hot here. I think I think he's another good one. And then I think uh, who Ty Dameron, who just got up here, I think he's a guy that he's not going to blow you away, but he knows how to pitch, and he's there to get outs. And I think those guys kind of get overlooked when they come in and eat some innings up. Do, do what they need to do to to really get out there. And then the last one I'd say would be Colin Wiles. I mean, he, he's been here the whole year. He's thrown well every every outing. He grinds out there. He pitches. He knows what he's doing. And he's been around the game for 10 years. Or, and he he's someone I think deserves an opportunity. Hopefully down the road he, or maybe later this year, maybe he gets an opportunity. Who knows? But it's tough kind of with September now around. And so maybe, maybe if it doesn't get to this year, maybe next year he gets an opportunity. Before I let you go, you know, being able to come back from an outing like that, we all have them. What's something that you want to particularly work on? I know you said there's a, a certain start date you would like to have with your next start, Sunday compared to Tuesday. Yeah. What's something you specifically want to work on in order to not 
go down that road again? Uh, I think just getting to my curveball a little sooner, maybe. Uh, maybe getting that out there, and then as well as just, I mean, continuing to make pitches. I mean, I, I think I made pitches, I just didn't have the ball go in the right manner. So, I think with that, it just has to be, maybe if, if something does speed up like that and I'm not getting the curveball, not even getting it put down, I got to make sure I myself shake to it and to get it out there. The pitch clock sometimes makes that tough to where you can, you can't really just, hey, like, put step off, step off, because you only get the two step offs too. So that's, it's a process and just continu continually figuring it out and just get back into the groove and keep it rolling. I lied, I do have one more question. You mentioned the pitch clock. I, just as the broadcaster, had to adjust back and forth. And unless you're on a major league rehab assignment, you don't, you have to deal with it. What's that been like adjusting? Uh, at first it was really quick. Like, and I'm a fast pitcher, like I work quick. Um, so with that, at first I was very, I was even felt sped up even with it. And then I learned to manage a little bit. It's not terrible. The, the two the two disengagements with runners on is what kind of bothers me. Um, I don't mind the 14 seconds with no one on. Like that's that's more than enough time. Uh, the 19 though, 19 seconds with runners on, and like say runners on second, we don't have anything to where we have to go through signs. So it's like if we don't want to throw that pitch, sometimes we're forced to. Right. And it's not always the best pitch in that situation, and to or to get to it. So it's it's frustrating in that sense. I think it takes away from the game of baseball. Um, I do like speeding up the game a little bit. We've noticed positives with that, but some of it's just too much. It doesn't, it doesn't work how it should. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What a great story, Jared Koenig, and hope he's going to do a lot of good things for the A's in the future. And a guy that everybody loves, the backstop, sitting in AAA, but you know he'll be back. Here is Bo Taylor. Welcome back to A's Total Access, presented by Chevron. Jessica Kleinschmidt here, joined by catcher in the A's organization, Bo Taylor. Bo, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So the last time I saw you, we were at the Coliseum, but you were in the other locker room with, yeah. the, with the Orioles, and you were just beaming because you got to play against your boys, yeah. but now you're back with your boys. So what's it like being back with the A's? It's awesome. It was such a great feeling when I found out that they wanted me back. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm happy to be wanted. No, it's... It's been a long road and it's, it feels good to finally, it, it feels like I'm at home. Uh, and all the friendly faces, the front office, everybody throughout the whole organization. I mean, everybody welcomed me back. Like they were so excited I was coming back and I, I was way more excited than everybody else too. Cause this is just, I don't know, yeah. I just feel like I'm at home now. And it was really cool. Cause when I was talking to you, like I said, you were beaming and just who was it cool to be reunited with? Cause I know you were on the field talking to some people. So who were you just most excited and who'd you miss the most? I had missed, I missed Lou a lot. Lou oh, yeah. Lou's my guy. I mean, we, and we spent off this past off season training and me and him gone through a lot of things um, through our whole entire career and we've stuck it out. We became really good friends. Uh, I mean, it was everybody to Emar. Like, I wish I wish Bo Mel was there. It'd be cool mm -hmm. to see him again. But uh, I missed Chi, Chi was actually had COVID. Um, it was just everybody there. Murph, Murph's my guy. Yeah. So I, it was really good seeing them. But it stung because I couldn't like give him a hug right. because of the whole COVID protocol. And I didn't want to get yelled at. Right. But no, it, it was awesome seeing everybody. And you know, Zach and I were talking about Chad Pinder every single broadcast because once you cover a Chad Pinder, there's nobody like him. Yeah. And we talked about Pinder Garden and everything like that. But the guy is just also beyond just what he can do on the field, just an amazing guy to 
a veteran presence and all that. Tell me how he's impacted you just on and off the field. He's he's done an incredible job, like yeah, as you said, on and off the field. But off the field, he he holds you accountable for anything that you're doing. He, he wants you to be professional and he does it the right way. Like he doesn't, if you do something wrong, he won't call you out in front of everybody. He pulls you aside and tells you, hey, you gotta do this right. Or like, I don't know, he, he's a jokester too. And like, no, it's like, he, he's one of those guys you wanna have in your clubhouse. And he, he just, he fuels the team and he's an incredible ball player. And we talked about the incredible ball player and just how versatile he is. And it's a characteristic that I feel like the A's, we see it a lot, but with the Aces, it's kind of different. Talk about the versatility that he brings and how important of a factor that can be for a player. It's like he's good at every position. Like, and it's like, it's, I, I played with him. He played short, he played third, he played second. And I always thought he was an unbelievable shortstop. But then they're like, hey, we're going to put you in the outfield. He took it and he ran with it and he's an amazing outfielder and it's just adding to his profile and for the rest of his career, like what type of player he is, that he's the guy that could go out there and do anything you ask him to do. And it's it's an amazing part. And it's funny because the one position he hasn't played in his career is catcher and he really wants to, but you are a catcher and when you're catching the A's organization, I feel like for me personally, it puts you on a pedestal a little bit because and I feel like it's an ode to Bo Mel. You know, he's, he yeah. loves a veteran catcher, a veteran presence, but you have you and then Shay Langley or Sean Murphy, what your boy you said, and then Steven Vogt. Like, mm -hmm. it's a really, really complimentary group to be a part of. What's it like to have your name involved with those guys? It's awesome. I mean, because Vogt, Voter is the man. He's one of the guys I looked up to when I was playing before I, I left. Just following, like, what he does, it, like, he, he brings so much energy to the field, but he's relaxed, like... But he, he goes about it the right way, and it feeds on to everybody. Like, look at Murph. Murph has grown so much in the past couple of years being in the big leagues, and he's absolutely raking right now, too. And then, like, me and Murph worked a lot, and then now Shay's up there, and Shay's absolutely incredible. But I was trying to feed as much information to Shay as possible to get him ready up there just so he meets Murph and meets Vote, and so he knows what to expect from them. And it's just go out there, be loose, have fun, do professional way. And, but then having Bo Mel, as for him being a catcher too, he did like, there's some times he'll chew you out for doing something. And it's like, it's like the A's way. Like I remember he yelled at me cause I was in a good way. I Bo was, Mel yelled at Bo you? Mel yelled at me. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I, uh, I walked back after picking up the catcher. I was warming up in between innings. I walked back to the dugout and he yelled at me to never walk back to the dugout, always do a professional jog, and it meant a lot. So I see that now when I'm playing and I see other catchers walking back because it's not like, for me, it, it kind of feels like disrespectful now because yeah. I, I feel like just you did your job, run off the field, you're done. Yeah. So it was something I got from him, and it's just like the little things that matter. And it's A's catching has been incredible, all the way back to Kurt Suzuki, and he's still playing, doing yeah. amazing. And that's, that's also a lot of credit to Marcus Jensen. Marcus has done an unbelievable job with everybody. And, you know, I feel like I could talk to you about A's catching all day, but you mentioned Sean Murphy and Shay Langlears. I actually want to talk to you about Murphy because when he was a rookie, I had to keep looking at his age and looking at him and reminding myself he is a rookie. You know, he's yeah. a phenomenal... Personally, I think he's the best game planner in the entire yes. game, but how do you develop that so quickly? Because I feel like the maturation process for a catcher, these guys make it look really easy, but, I mean, how do you explain a, a, something like that to a younger rookie catcher, but then, boom, he's developing all these relationships and a stud behind the plate? It's, he's done, uh, like, he's amazing. Like, he, he, like 
the way he soaks up information, he's a student of the game every day. He would just watch everybody and just, he, he found the players. I don't actually know which player he would saw like when he was drafted or before and he mirrored them. But like, it's kind of like, um, was it Morneau? Yeah, Morneau, kind of like him. Like it's just, he doesn't take anything off and he, he wants to be as professional as possible. And he's a perfectionist. And in my AMIs, I feel like he's a perfectionist. And he's fine-tuned it, and he's where he's at right now. He's what is he? That's a thousand something OPS this month. That is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he would think he was a. He should have been player of the month, but yeah. that's just me. But I know he was a noteworthy performance for the AL, yeah. and I feel like it's definitely worth it. And then I, you mentioned Langmears, and you got to see him just mm -hmm. as a teammate. And same thing. It feels like the transition was so well. He got a hit in his first at bat, mm -hmm. and everything else. What is something? I mean, I don't even know how to say because it it's kind of all out there. What's so special about him? He does. He's great in every area. Like he, what's surprising to me, he's really fast, and he's he's a big kid, and he is he's really fast, strong arm, flexible, strong kid, can hit the ball anywhere in the field. Like hit it out anywhere in the field, and it's just and he's fun to be around. And I feel like the A's do that a really good job when they're drafting players. They like to see what type of person they are, and they they hit it right on the tee with him. Like he's he's, he's awesome. Yeah, I've been really, it's been really fun to watch him. And I know you mentioned Bo Mel, but earlier in the year we talked about Kotze, and you were very excited to hear he was the new manager. Yeah. What it's what is it like having a guy like that as, as a successor of Bo Mel? He's a player's manager. Like he he understands everything that we go through. He's and like he he's just got done playing not too long ago not far removed. Yeah, yeah not far removed but he he, he was just like a mine he was a dog he's a dog in the clubhouse he's fun to be around like he'll he'll get after you if you need it like but it, he's just fun to play for he brings energy every day and he has a lot on his hands with a lot of young players this year I mean a lot of the moves but I mean he's he's doing an unbelievable job and it, it's tough to follow Bomel because uh, his career he's all the World Series he's won, the uh, manager of the year, yeah. like, and it, it was tough, and he came in, and he's owning it. And, you know, looking at your baseball reference page, not a ton of major league games, but a ton of A's experience, yeah. the organization, that's your organization. What's something about this place that is special that people don't talk about enough? It's the guys that they have here. Like that's that was always my thing when I went to other teams. Like I, I had great teams that I went to, but it was just something about the A's way, how they did things, how they promote winning at young levels, like the early levels. And it's not all. It's about developing too, but they promoted winning, and then they brought back the history. They would talk about the history of Oakland and how great we were, <laughs> and. It was just like, oh, like I when I would go to Cleveland, I brought the A's way with me. Like it was always like do the same stuff that I did with Oakland. Like it, it, it it's hard to explain, but it, it, I mean, there's so much. But it's just, yeah, it's just the, the Oakland way, and, and you hear yeah. that all the time. And it's really cool because no matter who's ever played for the A's, they always say it's hard to explain. Yeah. But if you've played for the A's, they don't have anything really bad to say about yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Oh, thanks for your time. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. And getting us ready for this series between the Braves and the A's, here's Grant McCauley from 92.9, The Game in Atlanta. Welcome back to A's Total Access, presented by Chevron. Jessica Kleinschmidt here ahead of Braves A's. We got Kyle Wright towing the slab against our own Cole Irvin. First pitch is set for 640. But first, I'm joined by Grant McCauley of 92.9, The Fan in Atlanta. Grant, how are you doing today? 92.9, The Game. Oh, shoot. 
It's okay. It's, it's the other station in town is also named The Fan, and I've worked at both. So Okay, let me um, redo that. Okay. <clears throat> Ace 92 Fan The Game. That's so funny. The game, yep. That was very... Um, it was very stereotypical of me okay three two one ace hole uh, blah 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 i did this last time grant i was so good forever and now i can't do my intro don't worry about it at all don't worry oh my goodness okay welcome back to ace total access presented by chevron jessica kleinschmidt here ahead of braves a's we got kyle wright towing the slab against our own cole irvin first pitch is set for 640 but first I'm joined by Grant McCauley of 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Grant, how are you today? I'm doing very well. It looks like it's round two for the Braves and the A's. And this is a series we don't get to terribly often. So I think it's kind of fun that we get to play in both ballparks. I know. it's. I was really excited. I knew, I mean, going there was one thing, but the Braves actually coming to the Coliseum was certainly a treat. And, you know, on that note, that's the return of Matt Olson. Obviously, we've talked about him before and when the A's shipped him off to Atlanta, it was kind of a a reunion for him, a homecoming. Talk to me about how he's managed to take on the Atlanta Braves way. I think he's done a tremendous job and we all know the storylines at this point. We're in September. I mean, (laughs) everything that can be written about Freddie Freeman, leaving the Braves and Matt Olson being traded to the Braves and the order in which it happened and all of that stuff has been written. It's been talked about and it'll always be a part of his story, I guess, in terms of his arrival. But I feel like Matt Olson has fit in tremendously well. I mean, is he having the best season of his career? No, I wouldn't say so. He was pretty darn good in 2021 for Oakland, but he's also been pretty good for the Braves. He's got a career high in doubles. He's closing in on 30 home runs again. I think he's going to get to 100 runs knocked in. And if you told me that you're going to get the first baseman from the Oakland A's who has been a two-time gold glover and is going to give you, what, 75, 80 extra base hits, driving 100 runs, and do all the things that you look at the back of the baseball card and expect, I think most people would sign up for that. And you know that you've got him here for a long time. So I think Playing at home, being back in the Atlanta area and being able to play for the club he grew up for, there's a lot to be said for that. But it's been, I think, a fun ride. But this is just the first chapter in what we hope is going to be a pretty good little book of Matt Olson as an Atlanta Brave. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people, especially everyone on you know, with the Braves fandom, they anticipated a home run hitter, but you mentioned some of these doubles. It's kind of good to see a guy like that who can show off his range. We all know that he's got the power there, but he's able to get some of those those bloopers in there to fill the gaps. Yeah, and he has been. And it, I think the biggest thing was that all the doubles showed up immediately, and it was almost like the home runs were still like in transit from Oakland. I don't know yeah. how that whole thing played out. But by the time that the Braves got on their run, which started on June the 1st, they went on a 14-game winning streak that got them from a below 500 club that was 10 and a half games out of first place to a team that's had one of, if not the best records in baseball since going on that winning streak and is still trying to track down a very good Mets team But Matt Olson, I mean, I know he's cooled off a little bit in the last week or two, but he went on quite a run where the runs batted in finally showed up. He had 17 RBI in the first 49 games for the Braves, which seemed very un-Matt Olson-like, but he's driven in just about a run per game since then and has been on quite a tear and has you know, been the guy that you expected him to be. And that's a middle-of-the-order threat who can you know provide those extra base hits, who can drive in those runs, and who I think still has more moments up his sleeve in his time with the Atlanta Braves. And if there's ever a time to get hot and play your best baseball and come up with those big hits and big moments, September, October is a pretty good time for most players. 
Yeah, it's a great time to heat up. And I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned the storyline is not quite there anymore as far as after the, the trade. And then, of course, Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers because a guy like that just wants to play ball. He mm-hmm. has always kind of been that dude who knows the media is there but doesn't like a ton of attention. And I like that mentality of just being able to play ball. You know, his teammate, another guy I wanted to pick your brain about is Dansby Swanson, certainly a guy in MVP talks. What's been working for him? It looks like there's something, something's kind of been lit underneath him as far as his approach at the plate. I think it just is the consistency of that approach. And Dansby this year has been able to just finally, I feel like, put it all together. I think the strikeouts have been more of a part of his game than most people ever expected them to be. But welcome to baseball in 2022. Guys strike out quite a bit. But you know, Dansby has been able to, I think, hone in his approach so that he's he's an all-fields type hitter. You know, Last year, he flirted with 30 home runs. But you know when Dansby's locked in, it's the doubles to right center field. It's home runs to right field, which he hits quite a few of. And uh, I think he even did one of those in the World Series, which was pretty darn nice. But it's just the, he is a guy that loves to play every day and be locked in and find that role defensively speaking, I think he's challenging for a gold glove this season. And offensively, on top of that, he's just been able to put the whole game together. And it's all about approach, preparation, and plan. And nobody is going to outwork Dansby Swanson. You might be able to out-talent him. You might be a more talented player on the field, even on his own team, but you're not going to outwork this guy. And I think that has helped him find the success and, and the continuity I think he's been looking for for a breakout-type season in which you know, you're not just looking at the home runs, the extra base hits and, you know, thinking, OK, well, he's showing a little bit of power and he's also a good glove. But this year, the on base skills are there and he's having himself a career year. And it's well timed because free agency is right around the corner for this guy. If Alex Anthopoulos doesn't swoop in with another long term extension, <laughs> say he'd be the odd man out if that were the case. Uh, Jessica Kleinschmidt here joined by Grant McCauley of 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, a guy who did get locked up is Austin Riley. He needs to be talked about, certainly in, I guess, MVP whispers. It's quite a a pool of, of talented guys right there. Another guy who, like I mentioned, will be around in Atlanta for a while. But why should fans be excited about a guy like this? And he just signed an extension. That's a positive vibe going forward with this guy. No, it definitely is. And and when you look at what Austin Riley has done, I do feel like he is and has surpassed with his second half in particular, Dansby Swanson for this club's MVP here in 2022. And I, I would be surprised if he's not a top five finisher in the National League as well. He's got a chance for 80 plus extra base hits. He's only one home run off the National League's lead. And he's followed up his breakout season of 2021. When he went to spring training, there were still people saying, well, is Austin Riley really the future at third base or should they trade for another veteran? Did they make a mistake by giving Riley the job instead of Johan Camargo? I mean, these were things people were talking about 18, 20 months ago, and a lot has changed. You haven't heard too many of those whispers in the last couple of years, but I think this is just more of the same from a 25-year-old who, again, it's the work ethic, the approach. I mean, I've known Austin since he was 17, 18 years old. He has gotten better at every single level, and it stood to reason once he got his feet under him at the big league level and went through some of the highs and lows that young players do, that he was going to figure it out and work his way into being a very good player at the big league level. And that's exactly what he's done. And that's how you get the largest contract handed out by the club in franchise history. And by the way, this is a guy that is doing things that no Braves third baseman since Chipper Jones has done. And outside of Chipper, we're talking about guys like Eddie Matthews and Hank Aaron in terms of extra base hit records and 
just overall success at his age. So he is carving himself out a pretty neat little piece of Braves history with a lot left to write, much like Matt Olson in terms of, you know, the, the story is not finished here. It's just kind of getting started. I love that. And especially for a guy who just gets better as time goes on, that's exactly the formula you want to hear with the guy who just signed an extension. And I feel like the future is so bright with this team, a young ace and Spencer Strider who throws a slider. He set the Braves record for most strikeouts in a single game with 16 K's pitching eight shutout innings against the Rockies. Come on, Grant, like this dude's insane. It's been insane to watch Spencer Strider go from a guy that you heard about the 100-mile-an-hour fastball, you heard about the strikeout stuff. The Braves, they they brought him up briefly in 2021 to see if maybe that arm would play in their postseason run because they were looking for any and all help they could get at that point. And Spencer Strider really, at that time, didn't do quite enough to get into that magical 2021 storybook in October. But by the time he came back and they felt like, if we're bringing the best players north with us, Spencer Strider can help us out, particularly with a two- or three-week spring training, and you couldn't get all your starting pitchers up to six or seven innings there for the month of April. It was kind of a work in progress. He was in the bullpen, I think, throwing some important innings and kind of going through his major league orientation. But it didn't take him long to get oriented with piling up strikeouts. 16 punch-outs his last time out was an Atlanta Braves record, surpassing John Smoltz, who did it twice at 15 and he just continues to make his case for Rookie of the Year award, which is really going to be a fun one because Michael Harris II in center field for the Braves might have been the odds-on favorite for a lot of people before Spencer Strider and the strikeout show really showed up. So it, it's been a lot of fun to watch him. He has a chance to be just the second pitcher in Major League Baseball history to strike out 200 batters in fewer than 150 innings, and that didn't happen until 2019 with Chris Sale. So if you want to know what Spencer Strider's been doing, it's stuff that most rookie pitchers don't do. Yeah, I had to keep reminding myself that he was still a rookie pitcher and looking at his age and his, his makeup, even his mound presence is something veteran-esque, if you will. I don't know. Grant, thanks so much for, for joining me today. You got it. Thanks so much. We want to thank Jessica for having on Jared Koenig, Bo Taylor, and Grant McCauley. Now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.